Pastor Xavier Reese with a proverb regarding the issues of the heart. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit shall retain honor. Proverbs 29:23. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. We need to take heed, for we're not exempt from seeking preeminence out of pride. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Growing up, how many times have you heard that there's no such thing as a stupid question? Well, sometimes it's those stupid questions that keep us from the sin of pride. Today, continuing his look through the Gospel of Luke, Pastor Xavier reveals what happens when we assume you understand the Word and will of God on your own. Let's join him for today's lesson, Take Heed to the Pride of Life. Our Lord is um, terminating the Scalian ministry, as you know, and he is walking under the shadow of the cross. He has been training his 12 disciples and apostles for the work of ministry that they will continue after his death and resurrection. He commissioned them, empowering them to preach, heal the sick, and to cast out demons already. He has clearly told the apostles he is going to die and be raised from the dead, but they had a different agenda. They had a different understanding of the kingdom. They believed Jesus was going towards Jerusalem to knock off Rome, set up the kingdom, and they're going to rule. That's their worldview. Now listen to me. If you have an unbiblical worldview, you're going to live your life messed up. You need to have a good biblical worldview about the church, about Jesus coming for his church, about his faithfulness and all that. If not, then you will live out a wrong way. He's already told them in chapter 9, 21 and 22, and 44 to 45, he says, let us sit down in your minds. It is in the midst of this anticipation of our Lord's death that the sin of the disciples is magnified. This is after three years, the sin of pride. Luke seems to arrange his material at times in groupings of common themes rather than chronological order or, or some ontological connection. And such is the case regarding our text here, revealing three sins of pride that um, the 12 were guilty of. First, you have love for preeminence, 46 to 48. Secondly, we have love for party preference, 49 and 50. And third, love for personal vengeance, 51 to 56. Love for preeminence comes first. Notice in verse 46, the personal conflict regarding preeminence is presented to us in a, dis a dispute among them as to which of them would be greatest. The 12 got into a heated discussion is what it says here. The word dispute literally means a quarrel or argument. As often we think of the disciples walking around with halos and just with their hands together and all that. And they're just like you and I. Sinners, rotten, selfish. Welcome to the club. Nine of the 14 times in the New Testament, the word is translated thoughts, because that's where it begins, right? The time is given to us by Mark in Mark 
9.33, Luke does not give us that. They had just disputed among themselves on the road to Capernaum. Jesus waited until they got to Capernaum, and then he says, what were you guys discussing on the road? <laughs> you can just hear some of the, well, Lord, you know, the Galilee, it's nice out here in the springtime, it's beautiful, and just commenting on just, can you imagine, you're, you're the dirty dozen, and you're walking with Jesus, and you keep telling each other, hey, hey lag behind, so he doesn't hear us. And you're talking about who's the greatest? He's God. But don't, don't laugh at it, we, we do that too. The 12 had experienced high privilege at different times, but not on equal levels. Jesus had chosen them to be his 12 apostles from the multitude of disciples. And after an entire night in prayer, as we saw in chapter 6, verse 12 through 16, Jesus answered them and says, Did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is the devil? John 6, 70. Jesus had allowed only Peter, James, and John to witness the raising of the daughter of Jairus in chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus sent them out two by twos, empowered with authority in chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. That means that one of them went with Judas, and Judas had the authority to preach, heal, and cast out demons. Think about it. Jesus had used them to feed the 5,000 in chapter 9, verse 10 through 17. Jesus had told Peter that his confession about his person, that he was the Christ of God, the Son of the living God, in 9, 18 through 20, and the full description is in Matthew 16, that it was not flesh and blood, but his Father in heaven. Peter, I can imagine Peter looking to the other. But you know, seconds after, Jesus says he's going to go die, and Peter rebukes him, and then Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan. So one, one minute, he's receiving revelation from God. Thousands of a second later, here we are. We're in the flesh. We can't discern the things of God and the things of man. Jesus, again, only allowed Peter, James, and John to go to the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, to see him transfigured and to hear and see Moses and Elijah speaking about the exodus of Jesus when he's taken up to heaven. Chapter 9, verse 28 through 36. Nine of them were at the bottom of the mountain, Unable to cast out demons in 937 through 42. Now, the 12 therefore had a heated argument that arose among them about who would be the greatest of the 12. All these privileges, you know, people say, well, you know, I've been here from the beginning and you know, I've got certain gifts and I've done this. What does that mean? Preeminence. Because we've had certain privileges or because we've done certain things and all of a sudden we, we think we're top dog. The 11 would be great in the kingdom. Jesus will tell them later in Matthew 19, 28. He says, um, Surely I say to you that in the regeneration, the millennial kingdom, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Linsky, the Greek scholar, says, quote, The implication is that the 12 will be great in the coming earthly kingdom of Jesus. And the only question will be which one will be greater than the others. This is the point. This is not just prominence, the seeking of prominence, but preeminence to be the first in their group of 12 to be superior. That's the worldly model. You know that, right? A pyramid, and you fight your way up, and now you got to fight to step on top. The kingdom of God is upside-down pyramid. You work your way down to be up on top. 
Notice the problem with seeking preeminence is given to us in 47, the beginning. And Jesus perceiving the thoughts of their hearts. Here's the problem. Jesus knew their very thoughts behind their heated dispute and argument. The word perceive means an understanding of what they were thinking. The word thought, dialogismos, we get our word to dialogue from. A man deliberating with himself, you understand that. It's this inward reasoning. Somebody's talking to you, and as, as they're talking to you, you're, you're, not, you're, you're already rationally, you're thinking, you know, this guy's a jerk, I can't believe he's saying this kind of stuff. Reasoning within yourself. Remember, Jesus um, perceived the thoughts of the scribes and the Pharisees as they reason in their hearts when he pronounced the paralytic sins to be forgiven in chapter 5, verse 20 through 22. John 2, 23 through 25 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. We forget that Jesus sees and hears everything that I do, public or private. All of us are prone to this, regardless of who we are. Moses looked left, looked to the right, but he forgot to look up and he killed the Egyptian. Jesus knows my thoughts. He knows if I'm seeking prominence and preeminence. Jesus understood the origin of their intent and motive. Here it is, ready? The heart. The word heart is cardio. In the context, it indicates the center of who we really are at the core of our being. It involves the intellect, the emotion, and the will. In our fallen nature, those are become subjects of slavery. We live for ourselves. We think of ourselves. The middle letter of sin is I. The heart of fallen man is sinful. Their heart was full of pride, evidence of self-seeking here. In fact, Mark tells us in Mark 10, 35 through 45, if you remember the sermon that I did, that um, James and John saw Jesus for the right hand and the left hand, and they brought their mommy along. Okay? And when the ten found out what the two asked, they were ticked off indignant at the two. Why? Because the two beat the ten to it. The dirty dozen were not servants. They wanted to be served. They have this worldview of Jewish mind. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to knock off Rome. We're setting up the kingdom. Yeah, we're going to rule. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the example to serve, the greatest servant. The principle to warn is against seeking preeminence. The end of 47 and 48. Jesus gave the 12 a visual lesson. He took a little child and he set him by him. A child is a picture of sincere innocence, not natural goodness. The problem with your children is they're your children. They're sinners. <laughs> a child is a picture of undeveloped pride, trusting, depending for his care. Your, your child that is four, five, seven is not concerned about paying the taxes, paying the water bill, the food, shopping. They just depend on you wholeheartedly, trusting. Mom's going to take care of me. Dad's going to take care of me. Matthew 18, 1 through 6 adds, unless one is converted, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Lest we be humble like this child, we won't enter the kingdom of God. And it would be better 
to tie a stone around your neck and cast yourself into the sea and be drowned if you stumble one of these little ones, he says there in Matthew. Pride, the arrogance, the self-exaltation that happens in leadership and in Christians often. Jesus taught them the secret of greatness. You ready for it? Verse 48, humility. The one who has believed in Jesus is to be received. Jesus said to them, whoever receives this little shell in my name receives me. We receive you as a family member, as a child of God, by your confession that you're a Christian. We, we believe, we don't care what you look like, we don't care where you've been, what's happened, what you've committed. If God has forgiven you, you're a member of the family of God. The one who received Jesus receives the Father. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So you can have the Father only through the Son. If you reject the Son, you can't have the Father or the Son. It's real simple. The one who is unconcerned with being great will be seen as great by God. Listen. For he who is least among you all will be great. You remember Haman in the book of Esther? He came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse on which the king has ridden who has a royal crest placed on his head. And then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one man, the king's most noble prince, that he may array the man with whom the king delights to honor, then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man who the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe, the horse, as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai, the Jew who sits within the king's gate, leaving nothing undone and all that you have spoken. God gives us rope, either to swing across a chasm or to hang ourselves. Time is the test of all things, ladies and gentlemen. It's just the facts. The last time this conversation took place was in the Last Supper. Can you imagine that? Of all places to be talking about who's the greatest. And Jesus says, you know, it's, it's of the Gentiles that like the Lord over each other. Should not be so among you. I was, I'm as one who serves among you. I'm your example. And then he began, proceeded to wash their feet. That was the task of a slave, the lowest of slaves. We need to take heed, for we're not exempt from seeking preeminence out of pride. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. These guys walked three years with Jesus. Pride originated with Satan, as you know, Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. As he uh, rebelled against God, I will, I will, I will, the threats. Pride is characteristic of fallen man and the world, 1 John 2, 16 says. It's all around us. This generation of ours is arrogant, proudful, entitled. Listen to Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom, Proverbs 11.2. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom, Proverbs 13.10. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them, Proverbs 
Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride 16, 18. A proud and hungry, haughty man. Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. Proverbs 21, 24. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit shall retain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Those are all to Christians, not to the non-believer. That means the potential is fully ours. We need to know that Jesus knows our thoughts and intents of our heart always. We forget this. Easily forget this. Psalm 139, 4 says, For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. In fact, the psalm says that God knows our thoughts from their origin. I don't know them until they get here. He knows them from their origin. He knows the intent. The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are futile, empty. Psalm 94, 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter his rest, Hebrews says. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Talking about the wilderness journey of Israel. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. The heart, that's where it's at. Remember we've studied a few chapters back? Take heed how you hear, what you hear. The seed falls on the heart, soil. We need to be as sincere and innocent children. God rests. In his potential alone, not in our own. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. First Peter 5, 5 through 6 says. There should be a big difference between us. But we still have sin nature, so that potential of our old life and new life, it's there. That's why we have to reckon the old man dead. We have to put on the new mind, the new man. Walk in the spirit. Paul tells the Romans 16, 19, he says, But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Evil comes natural. All we have to do is see something evil one time, it's there. What's good, I have to constantly go back to it and repeat it over and over again, study it over again, remind myself. Our sin nature is bent towards darkness. The principle here is humility. Humility. The love for preeminence is based on self-exaltation. Notice, secondly, the sin. The second sin is the love for party preference. In verse 49, the problem regarding preference is presented here. The 12 concluded that this man delivering another man from demons in the name of Jesus was a problem. (laughs) Who are these guys? The dirty dozen. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. John's the speaker. Him and his brother were called the sons of thunder, Barjonas. Jesus gave him that name in Mark. They were tough, rugged fishermen, very strong personalities. And John has Jesus calling him master, meaning superintendent, overseer. He is the Lord of their life, in charge over their life. But they're not acting like that at this point. Some think that John was attempting to declare his devotion to Jesus. 
But in view of the words of Jesus about the little child, he probably realized that they had been wrong in what they did towards this man. He's reflecting. The person is identified in a very general manner, someone, a certain man. There's no intent of gender or personal identification. Notice they observe this with their own eyes. The word saw means to perceive this, indicative error is active. They, this is not hearsay. They, they saw it. And they observed a demon-possessed person being helped by this other person. He was casting out the demons that were tormenting and controlling his life, a participle present active. He was doing it right there when they were seeing that. And he was confronting not one demon, but several. It's in the plural. The man was doing this in the name of Jesus. Mark it well. So he was trusting, depending on the authority of Jesus for the deliverance of this person. He was being a mere vessel of Jesus. What is the problem? The problem regarding preference is revealed for us. Listen to the words. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Who are these guys? They forbid the person from casting out demons in the name of Jesus. The 12 is a group, not just John, we. The reason given was that he was not part of us, underline that, the 12 disciples and apostles. The word follow simply means to join with as a disciple. Yet Jesus had multitude of disciples, as we've seen, He would send out 70 to preach and heal and cast out demons in chapter 10, 1 through 16. So there were so many others, but they were, some say, well, they were jealous, envious. They were not jealous or envious. They just thought that they were exclusive. They were special. (laughs) It's so easy to get to that place. As I said earlier, well, you know, I've been here from the beginning. I've done this. I did that. What does that mean? And we take the worldly model and the worldly worldview and we bring it into the church and we start functioning the very same way and it's wrong. The principle to warn us against falling prey is to elitism. Look at verse 50. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. The answer of Jesus to John was short and straight to the point. Jesus said to John, do not forbid him. What Jesus said to John, he intended for all the 12. What Jesus intended for the 12 is applicable to every Christian in every generation. The Christian is to understand the clear principle of Scripture that Jesus has only one church, united by God's Word and Holy Spirit, all who are born again, repenting of their sins. All who proclaim Jesus is the only way to be saved by grace through faith through his death and resurrection. All who give an ongoing evidence of a transformed life abiding in Christ through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a unity, the word. Pastor Xavier Reese has been working through an illuminating list of sins of pride that Jesus revealed were occurring within his own apostles. More simple truths drawn from our study series of the Gospel of Luke for all believers to take notice of. 
And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is Take Heed to the Pride of Life. It's available on CD as usual for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is Take Heed to the Pride of Life or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What does it mean to be Christ-like? That's coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 